Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate his love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Look what Paul does. When he's thinking about this church and he's thinking who are the most important people in that congregation, he says all of you. He says it's all the saints. You are God's holy, sacred, blood-bought people and every one of you is valuable. And by the way, together with you, there are leaders. There are definitely people in leadership roles, pastors and, and deacons. But I'm writing to the most important people first. I'm writing to the all the saints because all the priesthood is valuable and all the priesthood matters. I am glad that we're here today <laughs> and I'm glad that today on paper... We have 20 congregation members in this room and 20 mm, service providers or whatever I am. And, but I'm glad we can do that. But I hate the fact that those words are coming out of my mouth. Because the word attendee, God, it just drives me. It's just a ridiculous word. Biblically, we are not attendees in church. We are not the plebs that come and then here are the priests doing the work today. You know, There is not a subclass of, of people in the body of Christ and I hate even having to say that when you 20 people came and say, listen, you're the attendees and these people are the ministry team, okay? Yes, legally, those who are watching legally, that's true today, but it's not true. Theologically, we are all the saints together and the most important people are not those on the platform. The most important people are y'all, all of us, those of us watching from home. It is all the saints together. And I love that that's how Paul addresses. And this is how you see, you know, the relationship between people and their leaders. We're in this together. And I know we're sick of hearing that during COVID season because what a multi-billionaire celebrities know about talking on the TV saying they're with us in this, you know, whatever. But we are together, you know. <laughs> and this is when we see the way we relate to one another. It's not I'm above, you're below, you're beneath. We're, no, we're in this side by side, shoulder to shoulder. This is the church. The, 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 the level ground at the cross means that we were all bought with the same blood. And as far as function, yeah, we differ. As far as decision making, responsibility and authority, yeah, we differ. You know, that's fine. There are roles and there are, there are, there are responsibilities that we have that differ. But my goodness, in our value, it's all the saints and we're together with our leaders and I just think that's a beautiful picture that Paul paints here and I'm hitting things behind me and whatever getting excited stay to your notes okay verse two he then says this is what I notice and this is powerful he says grace and peace to you from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ and many people probably don't know this and my job to bring it up grace and peace is not just two good words to say to start Paul's letters. And you read Paul's letters, he, this is his standard greeting, grace and peace. What's happening behind the scenes that the first century people would have known is that grace is the word charis. Okay? This was a common greeting for people in the Greek culture. So we say g'day, some people say howdy, some people say hello. Okay? In their culture, Greek people would say grace to you, favour. Goodness be upon you. Grace. Then you've got Jewish people. And when Jewish people greeted one another, they didn't say grace to you. They said shalom, which means peace. And so what Paul's doing here is he's joining these two 
ethnic groups together. This is a multi-ethnic church that for generations have had tension and separation amongst them. And one of Paul's main messages of the mystery of the gospel is that Jesus breaks down ethnic and racial walls and tensions because there is level ground at the foot of the cross. And he brings this Greek greeting and a Jewish greeting together as he's addressing a one community in Christ and saying, grace to you, peace to you. We're in this together again. Okay, so it's right there. It's very subtle, but this is a cultural influence there as he announces to Greeks and Jews together, we are one in this. There is no ethnic superiority here in the body of Christ, despite what our past has been, because in the, in the past, there was very much a Jewish Gentile divide up till now. And culturally, there still was when this was written. But theologically, again, that stuff is over, man. That nonsense is done. We are one in Christ. And so that's a very subtle, but a very powerful thing he brings up in this introduction. So from there, from those basic observations, what does he do? Well, he moves on into verse 3 after bringing this intro and he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In fact, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And here in these three verses, or these, these two verses here, really verse 4 and 5, we see right at the outset the three major themes of the book of Philippians that carry all the way through the four chapters. I told you last week, your homework, read Philippians. takes about 10, 15 minutes if you read it fast, like I'm talking fast, right? It takes about that time. But here are the three big themes introduced in these verses. First thing is joy. I always pray with joy. Joy, the word joy, rejoice, rejoicing 16 times in four chapters. And that's why our series today is called Choose Joy. Why, does he, why is he joyful? Because of the second theme in this letter is partnership. Okay, partnership, we're in this together. This is a common association of, of uh, working together, rights and responsibilities as we partner together. That's a major theme in the book of Philippians. And the third theme is the gospel, is the gospel. Why can we have joy? What are we partnering in? We're partnering in the good news that the person of Jesus, come on, makes it possible for all people to participate in God's presence and to participate in God's provisions both now and for all eternity. The church are good news bearers. We do not have good advice. Sure we do. That's not the main thing we've got. We do not have good ideas. Sure we might, but that's not the main thing we got. We've got good news, first and foremost. We're not here to tell people how to live a better moral life to make a God happier with them. We're here to tell them that God is happy with them and has expressed his joy over them in Jesus Christ. We have good news for a world that needs to hear good news. And you ain't going to get much good news on your YouTube feed and 6 o'clock news if anyone watches 6 o'clock news anymore. We, but we are good news carriers and that is what the word gospel means. We are a good news community. And so of those three themes, gospel, partnership and joy, for this winter we've settled on the theme of joy and we want to encourage you over winter to choose joy. Today, I'm using this passage here. This is my passage, verse 1 to 11, where he says in verse 4, I always pray with joy. So today, those of you in this room, I've got to get used to looking at you, you guys as well. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Hi, everyone at home. Um, I want to encourage you to pray with joy. Pray with joy. Choose joy in all of life. Today, specifically, those three words, pray with joy joy in this passage i just want to pull out five things uh about how we can pray with joy 
Oh. Is that okay? Yes. That's where we're going. They don't all start with the same letter, so don't moan. We will be fine. How do we choose joy in prayer? Which obviously Paul was something that Paul really modelled. As I said last week, one of the main reasons we started this Philippians series in Acts was because we kept on seeing that Paul will practice what he preaches. And so the reason we started Philippians in Acts is so that we can see him model in real life what he now writes to them 11 years later. So as he writes to them to pray with joy, they remember that he did that in prison. Oh, by the way, he's in prison again now. And here he is still praying with joy. In fact, the very first thing we see Paul doing in Acts when he arrives at Philippi is he goes to look for the place of prayer. Okay, the, they, the Jewish population there in Philippi wasn't very big, so they didn't have a synagogue. They didn't have like a local church. Okay, you needed 10 people to get one of them uh, happening. And they didn't have that there, so they would pray by the river. Okay, a bit um, cultural reasons I won't go into that. So they prayed by the river, and so Paul went there to the place of prayer. Paul was a praying man, and today I want to encourage you to pray with joy. How do we do that? Verse 3 I thank my God. I thank my God. First thing, so simple. How do we pray with joy? Is we always start with thanks. We always start with thanks. I don't know if I'm, I'm known for, whatever I'm known for, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I don't, my, when people ask me how do I pray, because I'm, I just, all I can say is I always start with thanks. And, and sometimes you just don't know where to start, but you can always start with thanks. And it just seems to be the best place. And that's what I want to encourage you today. Just start with thanks. How can we choose joy in prayer? Start with thanks. Begin with an attitude of gratitude. And I only just thought about this this morning. You know, even in English, the word thank, you know, when you say thank, thank you, you kind of have to smile to say thank you. It's actually hard to frown and go, thank you. It just doesn't work, you know. So even in our English, it serves us really well. When you say thank you, it just makes you smile straight away. So when you start praying, thank you, let that be the first word that comes off your lips and that will help you pray with joy. It's just a natural thing that, that helps you. But I tell you what, it is almost impossible to be hateful and grateful at the same time. It's almost impossible to say hateful and grateful. And we're seeing every now and again <laughs> on certain on media, you see people that seem to be full of hate. You see people that are angry and seem to be really full of hate. And much of the time, people who are hateful really just aren't grateful. They don't know how privileged they actually are. And sometimes the privilege of not being grateful for what they have fuels hate and a culture of envy and, and, and actually just stirs something that should not be as bad as, as, as it seems to be because you can't be hateful and grateful at the same time. Gratitude is such a powerful thing. And as you read through Paul's prayers and we see it here, it, you just type in the word thank and look up all of Paul's references to thankfulness. It is everywhere, but it's not just him. Daniel was a thankful prayer. Uh, when Daniel was in exile, his people are in the poo. I mean, they're in a foreign land. Uh, things are not going well for his people. And Nebuchadnezzar, the, the, or whoever the guy was in charge at the time, made a, made a decree that Daniel could not pray to his God. 
Do you remember that in Daniel, Daniel 6? It's like it, it's against the law, censorship, shut, you know, cancel culture. You are not allowed to pray the way you want to pray. And Daniel, with that persecution, Daniel in that environment of being away from his land, it says he went, uh, when, when he learned that the decree had been published, he went back to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks. What happens when you're away from your homeland? What happens when things are turning to poo? What happens when even the law and the culture around you seems to be against you? Well, Daniel demonstrates this. He gets down on his knees and he starts by thanking. He just starts by giving thanks because as long as God still exists, that's going to be it forever, okay? There's always a God to give thanks to. There's always thankful, something to be thankful for. Thankfulness is rife through the New Testament teaching on this. And 1 Thessalonians 5, it's a great passage of Scripture where Paul writes in verse 16 and he says, Be joyful always. Choose joy, okay? Be joyful always. And right there he links it with prayer. Pray continually. What are you to do? Be joyful always. What do you do continually? Pray. What's the very next thing he says? Give thanks in all circumstances. So right there, there's the combination of choosing joy praying and giving thanks not for all circumstances sometimes that's not the right thing to do but i can give thanks in all situations and all circumstances and this is what god's will is for us how many of you are just having a chat with someone last night about this whole thing about discerning god's will you know you just want to follow god's will well here's a verse you want to know what god's will is be joyful always pray continually and give thanks all the time that is god's will for you in christ jesus and so as a people who do, my first encouragement to you to choose joy in prayer is to give thanks begin by giving thanks amen the second thing i want to encourage you to do is to get personal because paul in that verse doesn't in, in, in Philippians there, he doesn't just say, give, I give thanks. He says, I thank my God. And that got my attention. Who does he thank? He says, I thank my God. Paul, to be joyful in prayer, got his prayers and he got personal with them. This is not a God I'm thanking. This is not just the God that I'm thanking. He is my God. Now, I think there's something about the key of a communing with God and having joy in the place of prayer that understands every time I approach God, this is a personal thing. This is a personal relationship that I have. There are times and there are situations where we cry out and say, Almighty God. There are times where our prayers have authority. There are times where we pray over large regions and we cry out to Almighty God. We appeal to Him on that name. But as the people who pray with joy, one of the, the, the tips I have about praying in joy is to understand that Almighty God is my God. I'm actually drawing near to my God today as I pray. And Jesus, when he taught the disciples how to pray and he revolutionized prayer for people, he didn't say, pray like this, Almighty God who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Because they knew how to pray like that. They knew how to pray, Almighty God. They knew how to pray, Sovereign Lord. He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father. Personal. Our Father who art in heaven. Both are true. 
Both have been applicable, both have their place. But in the, it, when it comes to praying with joy, one of the best ways to find joy in prayer is to make it personal. Understand you're not approaching a distant, far-off authority figure who sits on a throne far removed from you. You are approaching a throne room of grace to find mercy and help in time of need. You can do that confidently because he's not just a God, he is the God. He is my God. And so, uh, what's his face? Moses writes his song in Deuteronomy 32 and, and, and where he says, the Lord is a rock. The Lord is a rock. David comes along generations later and he sings his song. And he takes that concept of the Lord is a rock. And he says this, the Lord is my rock. He is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. I take this theological concept of that God out there, of who he is, and I say, he is mine, my shield, my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my saviour. You have saved me. And that might sound selfish. We'll deal with that in, 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 at point number five. But right now I'm talking about how do you find jo choosing joy in prayer? Make prayer personal. Understand, I'm praying to, I'm thanking my God. And I can draw near to you. And this is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Amen. I'm talking, some of you know, and I don't want to keep banging on about this, but I will publish my new book sometime soon, okay? And I'm dealing, I'm talking with my editor at the moment, and when you, when you talk with an editor, they have a, a certain structure that they need to follow, guidelines that are recognised Christian standard booklet, okay, that she needs to sort of follow. This is how things go. And one of the things that she noticed in my draft as I, as I sent it through is I kept referring to Holy Spirit without the in the front, Okay, so I would talk about listening to Holy Spirit rather than listening to the Holy Spirit. And so she got back to me and she said, well, you know, the standard is that he is the Holy Spirit. Like that's, that's what it's supposed to be. And I said, well, I don't like that standard because to me, I'm talking about a person. Okay, he is Holy Spirit. It's his name. I, I don't go to Jay and I say, hello, the Jay. Or, or the wife, you know, sometimes if, if you hear a husband say that, you think, you know, something, you know, get the wife, here's the wife, you know. Um, it's not the wife, that's a bit unpersonal. I understand he is the Holy Spirit, that is a title, that is what he is. But remember, he is he, he's a person, he is Holy Spirit. And so she's like, oh, you've got a reason, that's fine, we'll go with that. But this is, this is my God. You know, this is, my, this is dad, this is Holy Spirit, this is a, a person. And I've never read Benny Hinn's Good Morning Holy Spirit classic book, some of you have, because for me, <laughs> the title's enough. That's the message. Good morning, the Holy Spirit? No, good morning, Holy Spirit. This is my God, this is a, a, a personal God. Uh, I've never read Benny Johnson from Bethel, she wrote a book, called The Happy Intercessor. I've not read that book because for me, well, for me, the title's enough. People who pray should be happy. Intercessors aren't the miserable people that are worried about the, the, the troubles of the world on their shoulder. There is a degree of that. You get burdened from God, I understand that. But the more time you spend in God's presence, the happier and the more joyful you actually are. That's choosing with joy. And I'm like, right there, those titles... 
that's, that's yay, you know, good morning, Holy Spirit. He's a personal God, and you know you pray. You're a happy person because you're spending more time with God. That's kind of where I'm wanting to go today. Anyway, let's, let's keep moving on. That was point number two, wasn't it? The first thing was always start with thanks. Second thing was get personal. You want to find joy in prayer? Get personal. He's not just Almighty God. He is my God. And Paul starts by saying that in those first few verses. Let's go back to Philippians. Verse 3, he says this, I thank my God every time... I remember you. Every time I remember... Okay, say that. Say remember. remember. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day, remember, the first day, until now. Being confident of this, that he who began on the first day, a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. In this very simple passage, we see Paul finding joy in prayer. What is he doing? He's remembering the past. I remember you. Ten years ago, when I first came to you in Acts 16, okay, I remember when God began to work in you. And I thank him that he is doing that today. He who began a good work is doing it today and he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. One of the ways to find joy in prayer, to choose joy in prayer, is to remember the past. Remember the now and look to the future. We think past, present and future. Sometimes if we just start with the present or we're only thinking about the present, it can be hard to find things to be joyful for. You're talking about a guy in prison. Sometimes if we're consumed with just living in the future, Things seem out of reach or we're discontent with what we don't yet have. Now, Malcolm was encouraging us before about God's faithfulness. And I know particularly in a, in a prophetic uh, culture and environment where you know God has more for you, if you're only thinking of the future, you can actually build discontent. There's a, there's a risk of not enjoying the moment now, which I've sort of spoken about before, because we're kind of living in the future. Well, Paul says, listen, this is how I pray. I remember the first day. Being confident that he who began something, he's doing something in you now and he will continue to do it on into the future. When I pray through the prophetic promises that God has for us as a church, I don't start with thanking him for what's coming into the future or reaching that way. It actually takes my faith to pray for the future. Begins when I remember the past. And I'm thankful. God, I thank you that, you know, today we have 20 people in our auditorium. And our, this, our church... We will, we, there was months in our church where we died to have 20 people come to church. For months. Leading a church, starting with four families. Georgina was there. You think, we, we, were, we were gathered in a small drama room with a borrowed keyboard <laughs> with me leading. That's not good. God, I thank you for the past. I thank you for those people. I thank you for that past. I thank you for beginning a work back then. And you remember that. You go, Lord, today good things are happening. Today there are people following Jesus. Today I thank you for the partnership that people have in the gospel. You know, it's one thing to be thankful to God for people partnering with me. That's not what Paul says. He doesn't say, I thank, you for, I'm so, I thank God for our partnership. He says, I thank, you for, I thank God for your partnership in the gospel. Sometimes as a pastor, I kind of get, there's a tendency to get 
discontent with how many people are partnering with me. That's not the issue. The issue is people are partnering with Jesus. In one sense, I don't want you to partner with me. I'm not that interested. In, that's not the primary thing. I want you to partner with Jesus because I can always give thanks when you are partnering with Jesus in the gospel. It's your partnership in the gospel, not necessarily our partnership. And I can always give thanks when I see people serving Jesus and being passionate about him. What is Paul doing? He's thankful for the past. He's grateful for the partnership people have in the gospel that they are getting on serving Jesus today. And with that confidence, he can then look to the future and he says, I know what God began. He's going to continue to continue to do. What's your point, Chad? Point number three is this, finding joy in prayer. Think in terms of past, present and future because sometimes in the present, the future is so hard to see. And in times of uncertainty, in times like we're experiencing now, where we just don't know what the future is going to look like, okay, in, in many respects, you, can, you always know what the past looked like. And you can remember the God who was faithful there is that same God that is working today and he's the same God that he's already there in your future. Remember, remember, think in terms of past, present and future. Let's keep reading because here's Paul He's not consumed with his present. Because you know what his present was? He, presently, he was in chains. Presently, he was confined. Presently, he was locked up. And yet he found joy because he was able to see beyond just that moment in time. That's how we can find joy in prayer. Verse 7, he says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. After all, whether I'm in chains or whether I'm defending and confirming the gospel. In other words, whether I'm locked up in prison or where, whether I'm speaking to the Arepagate in Athens with thousands of people listening, okay? whether I'm casting out demons, having crowds follow me, whether I'm performing signs, wonders and miracles in the gospel, whether I'm locked up in a single room or whether I'm standing on a platform before thousands of people, at the end of the day, it's all the same to me. I have you in my heart because all of you share in God's grace with me. Whether I'm locked up or whether I'm standing up, God's grace is the same and we share in that partnership together. Being confident of this, he who began a good work, uh, no, that's not what we're up to. For God can testify how I long for all of you with the affections of Christ Jesus. First thing to do to find joy in prayer is we start with thanks. Second thing we do is we get personal. I thank my God. Third thing we do, think past, present, future. There's always stuff in there to be grateful for. There's always, you can start there. You will find joy as you think past, present, and future. And the fourth encouragement I have for you today is to keep things in perspective. Finding joy in prayer. How do I do that, Chad? Keep things in perspective. Sometimes when you're in the prison cell, that's all you can feel. You're nodding, Kay. I can say, people are nodding at home too. Sometimes when you're in confinement, that is all you can feel. But Paul here says, I feel for you. It's like he had that ability to rise above that immediate situation and gain things in perspective said before your gratitude your, when you have an attitude of gratitude your attitude then sets your altitude okay 
yeah, you can, you can, you can have that. That's a very old preacher one. It's not mine at all. Uh, but gratitude, attitude determines then altitude. And that's the thing. When you're confined in a little room, Paul knew to find joy in prayer, I need to rise above that and see. And what did he see? When he was up here, he saw other people. He saw himself preaching on platforms and healing the sick. He could see all that. He could see other people in Philippi, thousands of, uh, well, hundreds of kilometers away. He could see past, present and future. He could see beyond and he could see, I have a got affection in my heart for them. The immediate feeling, this is a feeling. I feel these chains right now, but praying in joy means I actually am keeping things in perspective and I can see there's a bigger picture than what I immediately feel right here and now. And he had that ability to look, therefore, look down on his situation. Hey, look at me. Look at me. There I'm in chains. There I'm defending and confirming the gospel. There I'm preaching in Philippi. He had this bird's eye view, rising on eagle's wings and seeing things from a bird's eye view. I've told some of you that's often, sometimes that's how I pray. There's this personal thing of drawing near. But when you remember, you are raised and seated with Christ. We are not praying to get up into heaven. We realize, no, I'm already in heaven. So I'm praying down on my situation many times. You know, I'm actually the, the praying with joy means I'm already in heavenly places. And from here, I look down on my situation and I gain perspective. Because when you're in prison, if that's all you can think and feel, it's right there in front of you. No, no, no. How do you pray in joy, Chad? Rise above. Get a big picture perspective and go, ha, I'm in chains there, but over there I'm defending and confirming the gospel. I can keep my perspective here and therefore we find joy in prayer. And this is what he prays. We'll finish it with this. Here we go. Verse 9. He says, after all this, and this is my prayer. I always pray with joy for you. Past, present and future. I have you in my heart. And this is what I pray, that your love may abound more and more and more in knowledge and depth and insight so that you may be able to discern what's best, that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, that you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ. And of course, all of this is to the glory and praise of God. Last thing, key to finding joy, to choosing joy in prayer is to consider others I always pray with joy whether I'm doing this or I'm doing this you're in my heart and this is my prayer God get me out of this prison and this is my prayer I pray for you I pray that God will continue the work he's doing in your life I'm thinking about you what's in your best interest and how God is working for you for his glory last thing about finding joy in prayer is to consider other people. He was praying outward and this helped him to find joy in that place of prayer. My prayer is for you and my prayer is that God would continue more and more to be at work in your life. I love the language of that and it's subtle and maybe no one notices this or maybe it's just my thing because of my past experience. But I love the fact that Paul, with his perspective, was able to pray for those people and not say, I pray for you that God would start doing this. I pray for you that you would begin to walk into this. No. He says, I pray that you would continue to abound. There's something, when you, if you prophesy over someone or pray over someone, just that little change in language can really bring some far more dignity and respect to someone you know when if you if you sense something for someone that god wants to do something in their life to start by saying i think god wants to 
begin this in you can actually be demeaning for them knowing that they've walked with Jesus. I've had that, I've, I'm actually on that journey already. Does that make sense? Like you're, by just changing your language and say, I feel like God wants to continue doing this in your life. It actually just communicates some respect to them. Um, I remember watching a pastor once who took over the leadership of a church from someone else who'd been a senior pastor for a while. And his first message in for the first couple of weeks was, Moses is dead. I am Joshua. We're now going to cross into the promised land. <laughs> I hear you laugh in the overflow room. And, and I understand the, 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 understand the kind of the heart of that. You know, you've got to, in a sense, let go of the past okay, to move on into the future. But I remember listening to that and going, that's actually very demeaning. You, you actually, no, 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 we're, this, this group of people that you're speaking to, to say we are now going to start possessing our promises. No, these people have been on a journey for many, many, many years, walking in promises, enjoying God's benefits. It's like, I'm now, we're now going to continue with what God's been doing. And so when Paul prays for them, he doesn't pray, I pray that, God would, that you would start loving God. You know, I pray that your love, that God would you know, make you love him more or whatever. He, he just says, I pray that your love that you already have may abound more and more and more and more and more. You're already walking this way. You're already doing well. You're already... Yeah, you've got problems, by the way, because we'll get to chapter 3 and we'll see there's a few people disagreeing with one another. They didn't that's because that's just church and that's what happens, right? That's family. But he says, listen, you have love for one another and I'm praying that that would continue, 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 continue. And it's just a little thing to go, listen, so when you speak to people, understand that everyone's already on a journey. They've already got a history with God. They've already becoming somewhere. If you want with your words to help take them on, then pray that God would continue what he has already started. Don't just ignore the past like it doesn't actually exist and doesn't matter yeah. and somehow you've come along and everything's going to be fine. My encouragement to you today is to choose joy in prayer. Choose joy. Pray with joy. Australians all, let us rejoice let's go back to joy let's go to joy and let's pray in joy five ways you can do that how do i pray in joy chad the first thing is always start with thanks thank you i thank my god secondly be personal understanding that the god you're talking to is not a distant supreme he is supreme he is distant hang on he's not own, he's not just a far away god who's no he's an intimate god and you can find joy as you know I thank my God. Thirdly, think past, present and future. Might be hard just thinking of the present. Might be overwhelming even thinking about the future. But start with the past because there's always something to be joyful for that God has already done. Past, present, future. Fourthly, keep things in perspective. Trust God to give you wings like eagles that will rise above to see situations, to see time, to see things over space. Keep perspective in prayer. That'll help you keep a smile on your dial as you pray. And the last thing is simply this. Consider others. Consider other people. And there's something about outward looking. You've seen me do the illustration before about my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's something about wearing Jesus' yoke with him, serving him, serving other people, keeping our eyes on the interests of others that actually brings rest to our souls. 
Sometimes the best thing we can do is to get our eyes out of our little world and to begin to think about others and pray that God's blessing over them because it's very hard to be hateful and grateful at the same time. I want to encourage you as a church community. I want to encourage those of us who are here. I've got to keep remembering to look at you guys. And those of you watching at home, I want to encourage you, choose joy. Let's be a praying community. Individuals, some of you involved in grow groups, there's opportunities. Pray together. Be a people that choose joy in the place of prayer. And those of you here today said, Amen. And those of you at home said, and those of you in the overflow room said, yeah, that's not bad, not bad, not bad, not bad in there, not bad in there, not bad at all. Rob, do you have any final words of wisdom you want to share before we say goodbye to the people at home? Choose joy. Choose joy. Choose joy. joy. Yes, Lord, I hear you. You sound English. Um, Choose joy. Three words out of this passage. I always pray with joy. I ask you to commit to that today. And uh, bless you guys heaps. Those of you watching at home, we'll be live streaming again next week. Same bat channel, same bat time, 10 a.m. Join us again. Thank you so much for being with us today. Remember to leave your comments if you have any questions at home. If you've tuned in with us, you're looking for a church in this area, or maybe you don't follow Jesus and you'd like to know more, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us in any way here on Facebook or details on our website, and we'd love to talk with you. Bless you from those of us here to those of you at home. We love you and we thank you for joining us today. And uh, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.